All right, welcome back to uh, Yin and Yang, the podcast. Um, we're here today with, with a co- uh, I guess we could say, dating life coach, Jeremy Jong. Glad to be on the show. Thanks yeah. for having Yeah. And I guess you are also, cause, so yeah, um, just a quick background. Uh, so I, I joined your, uh, I've been listening. So he, here's a little background. I just finished a date with, uh, with, uh, with a girl. And I just felt kind of, I'm trying to remember who it was, but I just felt kind of empty and uh, just like, man, this was like, you know, date number 60, whatever. And I just had not, I just didn't feel that connection and I didn't get laid. And, um, and I was just like, fuck, what is, what is, I just, I, I feel like I need something catered to me that kind of speaks to me about, I don't know, confidence or like dating. And so like this, I don't recommend this, but I like, you know, at a stoplight, I quickly like looked on podcasts, like, oh, you know, something Asian dating and then yours came up and I was like, huh, that's an interesting title. So I I played one of your episodes. I believe it was the episode with, um, uh, it was, was one, one, one of your more recent ones, either Will, I think Will Chu. Oh, Will Chu, yeah. Yeah, Will Chu. And, um, and, and I played it. And I was like, oh, shit. okay, first of all, real talk. Um, I know I just met you, but like, I, I was like, this opening is so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did not invest. To, yeah, I, I paid for it on five or so. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, okay. All right, I hopefully it gets better. Uh, but, then, and then, but then when you guys start having conversation about self-development and basically loving yourself more, I was like, oh, damn, this is the real shit, you know? Um, this is not the, you know, the pickup stuff. That's that's the whole another, you know, industry. That's a different realm. Yeah. That's a different realm, but this realm of self-development. And um, so, yeah, I guess I what why I wanted to speak to you was about maybe get to know a little bit more about your story uh, and also about you know, your mission as well. I, I've read some of the stuff on your website. I've, I've listened to your, your work as well. And I'm just curious about, yeah, who, who is Jeremy Jong, I guess. Um, and you're also Taiwanese American, uh, I saw. And I guess you came from a very strict Christian background. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious, what's, how'd you get into this industry? And I'm assuming your background was part of it, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to share it. By the way, James, are you Taiwanese too? Because I'm just looking at your last name. And... Yeah, yeah, I'm Taiwanese, uh, Taiwanese-American. Yeah, yeah. So I, I grew up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I grew up in, uh, in uh, a town called Milpitas. Parents are from um, Taiwan. And I, I was kind of surprised when I found out you were Taiwanese because I think it was like the last video I was doing for research before this interview. And um, you, you were, I think you were in your backyard and you were talking about your uh, Taiwanese upbringing. I was like, what? I thought you were like Korean or something, looking at your last name. Do you get that a lot? Um, yeah, I definitely am Taiwanese. I think a lot of people, the reason why they don't view that is, one, I've got some I look mixed. I think it's a last name, too. That seems Korean. Yeah. Facial hair. So a lot of guys, a lot of people, actually, are just like, oh, shoot, you're Taiwanese. And yeah. when I go back to Taiwan, actually, I like to stick out now because when I was a kid, you know, I was like, I was paler and, you know, kids, are, they just look like kids. 
But now they're just like, yeah, yeah. definitely don't look like you're from here. And my brother's more of like a pale Taiwanese guy, so. <laughs> but yeah, well, let me go ahead and dive into my story. Basically, you, you've summarized it pretty high level, but I'll dive into a little bit more in detail. Parents are super Christian, mainly my mom. I had a tiger mom, and she was like the tiger mom. Like I had, I grew up in, I shouldn't say, I'll, I'll just say Arcadia. So that's probably around 70% Asian. And even my Asian friends, you know, my friends in high school. TV, yeah. 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 They were saying like, wow, your mom's really tough on you. So I had a really tough tiger mom. It's very Christian too. So there's a lot of like sexual shame, a lot of like guilt tripping, all that good stuff that comes with Christianity or more like, you know, bad stuff. So what happened is when I went to college, I was like torn because I'm like, I'm away from home. I want to be a good Christian boy. My mom still cares about my grades, but I also want to get laid. So that's kind of how I found pickup. And eventually, you know, it was tough for me to reconcile the two worlds because I didn't want to go to hell. That's the Christian side of me. Uh, but I also had a lot of <laughs> emotional stuff to kind of work through too. And for me, emotionally, I had a lot of anxiety, not just like, oh, sometimes I feel insecure and sad about my life. Like it was horrible anxiety. Like uh, in college, I had social anxiety. So I was scared of people. I was scared of walking across the street. Uh, it was very severe and eventually I got over that. And when I was a young professional, it was anxiety in all forms, whether it was talking to girls, like going up and talking to girls, whether it was standing up for myself, you know, being assertive whether it was advancing in my career and taking on more responsibility and more visibility, I had very bad anxiety uh, to the point that, you know, I didn't sleep pretty well for a lot of nights because it would just keep me up. Uh, among all of this, I was also trying to get better with women and I was really deep into pickups. So I was trying everything, but the thing that kept happening is it wasn't working. You know, I, I learned from supposedly the best dating coaches. I actually interned at, one of the top companies back in the day when I was like 22, 23. And I had a little bit of progress, but it just didn't seem to be moving at the pace that I wanted. And I was constantly like in a state where I'm like, well, you know, as Asian, I want to advance my career, but I want to get good with girls and I can't choose what can I do both. So I would try to do both and I'd be super fucking exhausted because I was working really hard. I was getting paid very little. And then on the other hand, I'm like, well, I don't know which one to sacrifice to. I have to really sacrifice both. And what happened is actually just by chance, I said, fuck it, I'm gonna really focus on my career. And I started getting paid more and that gave me a lot more freedom. It's very similar to like a keystone habit where if you take on one habit, it actually multiplies your productivity. So by getting a better career, one, I felt a lot better about myself and I wanna be very clear for your listeners, I'm not saying your career should find you, but that was something that allowed me to feel better about myself. I had a lot more free time and actually from there, as I actually became a better version of myself, it became easier to attract the women that I wanted. And for me, that's why my entire group, whether it's the Asian guy group or the new group that I created for, you know, good guys that want to attract the women of their dreams. That's why I'm so focused on like the inner work because it's not just all about what you say and do, although that is important. It's more about a man's character development because I found from my relationships and dating women that all my insecurities, all the emotional wounds, all that inner trauma and shit, right? It comes up. And that's yeah. why I tell guys to work on that. But of course, that's not a really a sexy sell. But, you know, I'm going to continue campaigning for that because, you know, if, for a lot of Asian guys, they have a lot of toxic shame. They don't feel good about themselves. They're insecure about the race. 
they can try to hide that through tactics, but eventually it will come out if you don't actually fix like the core root issue in the so the hope yeah, that and I overview. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that overview. Um, one thing that it seemed uh, you that seems to be a common theme in your work is um, well, well. First off, you had a series called like how uh, dating is like sales, right? <laughs> and oh, yeah. and um, and also you had um, uh, the series on AMWF mm-hmm. and. and it seems like you've you've really focused your market on the 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 frustrated heterosexual Asian male, specifically Asian, almost I, I would say specifically Asian American, yes. and and I'm just how did you come across that very specific target? I guess it was really by chance to be quite honest, because I was just thinking what would be the resource that I would have wanted years ago? And it's almost like I'm speaking to me years ago. Mm. And it's like from my experiences, I mean, I could help guys, let's say that are in Singapore, for example, because they speak English and they have an Asian upbringing. And you had, um, you had a guest from Singapore as well. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. at the same time, I also feel like the reason my stuff resonates for a lot of Asian Americans is one is I understand their experience intimately. So it's more like, Hey, like what resource would I have wanted? And I just kind of created it and tested it out. I, I will admit, I didn't do like a shit ton of market research behind it, but I realized actually by just like looking at YouTube videos, like, you know, there's a decently sized Asian American population. And a lot of them probably are suffering from the same issues because, you know, there is the whole media issue with Asian guys not being represented well. Uh, they probably grew up with very tough parents with uh, very strict uh, immigrant parents who use a lot of shaming tactics and all that stuff. And I realized like all this stuff is pretty widespread. It's like a thing where if you meet a lot of other Asian people, you can joke about the cultural aspects. Like did your parents beat you, for example? (laughs) And the white kids say no, but like, but all the Asian parents are like, all the Asian kids are like, yeah, my parents like, do they use a ruler? Do they use a rod? And stuff like that. So Right, right. What degree of beating? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, how do you take your beating? But it kind of led me to like thinking there's probably a lot of other Asian American guys uh, who need help with this and really need a good resource, especially in terms of guiding them to developing as a man, because there are other companies, which I won't name, I'm not gonna talk shit about them, they do serve a purpose, and some are focused on picking up girls. Again, that if you're young and you wanna do that, all the more power to you. But again, when you wanna get into a relationship, and I'm more of a, I guess, long-term dating relationship, life coach-ish uh, role, Yeah. again, like, it's impossible to really run from yourself. I've tried to do it before. I thought like I didn't have some issues, but every time I got into a relationship, all that stuff would blow up. So hence yeah. the focus on development for these Asian American males. Cool, man. Um, I think uh, just a little bit about myself. Um, so yeah, I do run that podcast, Indian Young Podcast, and we do focus on you know Asian American. Um, creators like either in entertainment or actors uh directors and also i I, we also talk about mental health a little bit and uh about me personally i'm I'm a filmmaker i mean i want to be a professional filmmaker but i have a day job as well and i also uh was uh in the last couple years i got seriously addicted to well not i got addicted to like online dating you know Mm, and i was just like swiping and 
And uh, I was, I, I, it became like, I was also going through grad school at the time. I was studying screenwriting. And, um, and what would happen is that I would, you know, spend a good amount of time trying to set up these dates. And it became like a part-time job for me, you know, trying to set up these dates and try to uh, get, you know, this validation from women. Um, because real talk, I haven't, uh, uh, at the time, I, was, I had not been intimate with a woman for a, a good while, like let's say years, right? And I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with me, you know? And uh, I guess what's turned me on to sort of like this self-development path, um, I had a good friend, he turned me on to, I, maybe books you've probably read, uh, you know, Mark Manson's Models, or, and, uh, you know, No More Mr. Nice Guy by uh, Robert Glover. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I went to this, like, this retreat, this spiritual, I, I got sponsored to go on this retreat called the Hoffman, uh, Hoffman Process. Have you heard of it? Um, no, that's, that sounds yeah. Good. Yeah, it's like a psychotherapy retreat where they talk about mainly um, how your parents fucked you over. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of it kind of traces back to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, or, who, you know, whoever raised you. So my grandparents also helped raise me as well. So the patterns that we received from the people that raised us, either parents, step-parents, or, you know, our grandparents. And um, that was pretty eye-opening. But again, all these things, though, they're not like a cure-all, I, I've noticed. And one thing I've noticed with your most recent videos is that you're trying something more of like maybe self-help that's not connected to just women, you know, maybe self-help in general. And I'm curious, like, uh, is that a path that you want to continue to pursue or like expand on? Or your your main thing is still relationship and women, I'm assuming. Yeah. As far as, yeah. Yeah. It's it's more of the latter. I, I think for me, I tend to, I'm still focused primarily on the relationships with women, like dating, long term dating, and probably a logical path would be like relationship management but not like in a manage it like control it but more so like having a good relationship um but a lot of the stuff does kind of tie back to personal development so here and there i will sprinkle in the general life coaching stuff or more of the general self-development the reason why i don't pursue it wholeheartedly to be quite honest is it's kind of hard to sell i mean think of it right let's use an example most people want to be confident but if I were to sell a course on confidence, most people would not buy it because it's focused on like, well, you want confidence for X result. And I would rather sell X result. Excuse that. Oh, that's all good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that I don't like talking about it. I probably will always talk about personal development and sprinkle it in. But right now, my focus is on the relationships and dating. However, down the road, again, depending on how things turn out and what people resonate with, I am open to eventually switching. Uh, but I always think it's important, again, it, it ties, the way it links together, like there's the relationship, dating stuff, there's like the self-development. There is a little bit of an overlap. We want to use like a Venn diagram where, you know, the more you develop yourself, the more of an attractive partner or dating individual you become. So there is overlap and that's why I try to talk about those concepts. Yeah. And one thing you you mentioned your background and also in the AMWF series, I noticed like that video has like thousands of like, you know, that much more popular. Yeah. Uh, and, but what I do appreciate is especially like with your like conversation with Kevin Kreider is that, Oh, maybe the goal is not just to sleep with white women, you know, like 
where 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 is this coming from where is this like almost self-loathing of like you know hating on your own race coming from and i i I just want to like you know so it seems that you kind of trigger like your background has triggered a lot of things in your body dysmorphia and um social anxiety is there now is there a way that asian men or asian guys can kind of reconcile their background actually like oh you know what there was some good shit in my back you know i love i love when my mom like is there a way to reconcile of being asian in america i guess is, is my question yeah yeah absolutely i think the key is to stop focusing on the negative and to start really going towards your strengths and by that i mean the way to really reconcile and build pride in your race is through history and through current representation. I'll dive into each one. History, I'm, I'm a little bit of a history buff, so this may not work for everyone, but you got to understand like the Chinese culture has invented a lot of shit. Chinese is <laughs> amazing, right? Yeah. Whatever you find in your cultural history, whether past or present, to be proud of, I would re- really recommend Asian guys educating themselves on that. I'm pretty sure most Asian Americans may know a little bit about like Confucius and you know, their history. But I think if you really look into it, there were some badass Chinese, Taiwanese guys, for example, right? There's some badass Japanese people like samurais, right? There's some badass Korean people. Like I know Koreans are very prideful yeah. because they, they've always been kind of, they've been attacked by Japan and then China, right? And they've always repelled the invasion. So they're yeah. familiar with like the, the king that formed the Korean language, shit like that, right? I would say, right. Well, you can't proud of that shit because you know, the media representation in the U.S. is slowly changing for the better for Asian guys, but we can't rely on that to give us our source of pride. So go back to your history, past or present to do that. Another thing is actually take pride in who you are. A lot of times when I coach clients, they're always saying like, well, that girl wouldn't like me, or how do I make her laugh, right? And I'm like, well, who the fuck are you? And I mean that in a good way. It's like, who are you? Like, what do you enjoy? What are stories that make you come alive? And just to give a little bit of a coaching secret, oftentimes when I coach them, I'm like, well, you know, like, imagine I'm not judging you because I'm not actually, but imagine the stories that you're proud of that fascinate you, the hobbies that excite you. Um, the woman's not going to judge. And imagine I'm not judging because I actually am not judging you. What would you want to talk about, right? And all of a sudden, they start talking about all the shit that they're proud of, all the things they enjoy, all the things they value, right? And yeah. I think really tapping into those strengths and really knowing who you are and what you value, what your strengths are, what your personality is, what hobbies you enjoy, and really building on that as a way to build pride. The second aspect that's kind of tied to what I talked about with Kevin Kreider is to do esteemable acts, as he said. Uh, it's one thing to know that stuff. It's all very helpful, by the way. But yeah, to yeah. To actively work on yourself. So if you're like working on your body, if you're if you know who you are and you've done the self-development work and you're advancing in your career or whatever area of your life that you really value, right? It's really dependent on the individual. Again, I want to be clear, I'm not saying you need to make a lot of money to uh, value yourself, but whatever you do value and want to create for yourself in terms of goals and what makes you feel good about yourself, the more you work in those areas and see forward momentum, the more prideful you will in a good way, you'll become more prideful of who you actually are because, again, you're building off of your strengths and who you are. And I would really recommend that because I think a lot of Asian guys, 
and you know some Asian guys are like, oh fuck you, it's just because you don't get as many hot white girls as I do. And I like for me, I've dated a fair amount of white girls, but a lot of the guys are telling you, oh well, you know, we gotta uh, fit in and like you know gotta learn how to do game and pick up to get yeah. white girls. But part of me, I think that's fucking ridiculous because. I don't like the idea, and this is my opinion, I don't like the idea of changing myself to appeal to a specific type of woman that I think I want to get to prove myself to myself. It's, it's yeah, very yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some guys can do it, right? They'll do the whole, like, honestly, like a lot of guys, they end to like, give and pick up, they'll start becoming a promoter. And that's fine, right? If you're young and that aligns with who you are, I'm not saying guys who do that are like self-loathing like, people, but there are guys who will do that. And it's like, dude, you're not... I'm going to be real with you. Like, you don't need a club slut. I, I hate to put it that way. Like, you need a girl. She could be a hot white girl, but maybe she's at the fucking animal shelter volunteering. And, right. And I think a lot of guys, they, they don't know who they are, so they try to be different things. And I know there's a little bit of a transition period of, like, trying to find yourself. But I think a lot of guys get stuck in that. And it's like playing a losing game. And yeah. And that shit. I, I know for... For me, I think the realization um, for me was that, oh, why do I, first of all, okay, getting laid is great, have sex is fun, but what's behind that? Why am I pursuing it so, uh, I guess the key thing is, why am I pursuing it so desperately, you know? Yeah. And I, 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 I came to realization, you know, through the, some self, you know, self-thought and I do some meditation as well, it's like, oh, uh, I want a uh, connection. Um, I'm lonely. And uh, I need to validate my, I, I have, so for some reason, I have to validate my masculinity with a, a female's body, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and in that way, that's kind of fucked up to the woman because I'm basically, you know, objectifying them and using them to like fulfill an emotional void that I have. But yeah. You know, like kind of like kind of like a lot of what your work is the self the self development. Like shit, you know, who's gonna fill that void? You gotta fill it yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, on that point, like it's completely fine to get laid, and if some guy wants to sow as well notes, that's completely fine. I think it is possible to do that though, from a place of wholeness and just like experiencing sexuality and in a mutual manner. Versus, I think this is the part that turns me off. So a lot of the pickup and game stuff is that the guys literally treat the women as numbers and statistics. And, you know, like if they post it in the groups where they post their quote lay reports, again, I know like it's kind of in the male ego to brag a little bit, but you know, let's use a different example. The guys who just use women and objectify women and via sex, they're very much like women that use, men like the gold diggers right yeah 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 corollary and both are pretty undesirable in my viewpoint because they're just using the person and i think there are ways to do things where sometimes it's not so much about what you're doing but it's more about the attitude that comes behind it and i think unfortunately a lot of guys are really caught up in the whole male ego of trying to prove themselves to other men trying to prove themselves by proving themselves to other men and it's just like a really bad loop to get into because again, if you want to have sex with lots of women and you just enjoy sex, I have friends like that where they're like, yeah, really amorous relationships. That's just who they are. That's their expression of who they are. But I think a lot, again, it goes to the whole theme. A lot of guys can get caught up in the wrong cycle uh, because they're trying to prove themselves. 
and that is something it's okay if you get into but it's important to really realize that quickly and get the fuck out of that otherwise it's gonna like run your life right i thought that was interesting when you posted about um yeah it's okay to fuck around sometimes if that's an expression of or that's a, a process that you need to go through you know and i think a lot of guys especially you know you know strict taiwanese parents like ourselves like oh you know don't have sex before marriage or like that kind of stuff like that you know my mom would say stuff like that to me mm-hmm. and and so there's a sense of shame you know i'm like uh i have i have all these desires i want to so by ha- so for some some reason i've connected these desires to being bad like I'm, I'm i'm a bad person or something and luckily you know i mean i don't know if it's luck but my parents were not that religious mm-hmm. um but there was still a very traditional confucius uh buddhist um cultural um you know background to to my to my family so yeah uh like is there so that how how would someone reconcile like you know i just want i i, I do want to sleep around it but like i feel so much shame about that is is there is there a is there some way to like get past that or? Absolutely. I think that's basically that's what we're talking about with sexual shame, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way to reliably get past that is based in cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm not going to dive too much into the theoretical aspects because I want to keep it very actionable. But there's a, there's a concept in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, called progressive desensitization. And that's showing us like you slowly expose yourself to the thing that brings shame or fear. So for example, like, you know, like sexual shame basically makes, makes a guy feel bad about himself for having these desires, uh, as well as expressing it towards women. These are guys that are usually very scared of expressing interests because they think it's wrong or they know mentally it's not wrong, but they, they feel it to be wrong. So whatever you're scared of doing sexually with a girl, usually it's the beginning stages of expressing your desire and eventually you know escalating or you know leading her to the bedroom yeah yeah you just break that shit up into baby steps so for example i'm not going to tell a guy that has that severe shame to try to lead a girl back to the bedroom the first time i just tell him to like hey actually just be able to look a girl in the eye and have her catch you staring at her you see like a really attractive woman and you don't need to be creepy about it you don't need to be like staring at her like that right <laughs> you can just kind of fucking smile at her when she catches you right and yeah that gets them more comfortable you know this is okay you're not gonna die and then then i can say like then go and talk to a girl where you can say like hey you know i just thought you were fucking beautiful like i had to meet you and it's wow. like that where you slowly baby stuff them into the habits and activities where they can experience that expressing their desire is completely natural. So I think that's a way to get over it because there is value in like journaling the sources of sexual shame. I would would recommend a guy to do that, but the mental cognition or the intellectual understanding oftentimes is not enough. The guy actually has to take action in a way where it progressively desensitizes him to the shame triggers, so to speak. And uh, over time, it just becomes normalized. It's very much like lifting weights, right? Like you start okay. very low, and then you start building up, and eventually, next thing you know, you're like benching two plates or whatever it may be. But there's no way to start all the way at the very end. I mean, some guys can, but generally speaking, these baby steps work really well. Okay, so breaking up into actionable s- small steps, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I do want to circle back a little bit um, about your background. Did you, so 
do you speak Mandarin at home or? I'm, I'm supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Like here and there I do. I speak a little bit of Mandarin. It really depends on how often I use it. Usually when I go back to Taiwan. You I, go back often or? I used to actually. Yeah, yeah. In the past it used to be like every year, even twice a year. And sometimes we would skip a year, but then go back twice the next year after that. Yeah. So it's pretty often. It was a very regular occurrence. Because you, you live in kind of, well, you grew up in kind of Taiwan town in L, South LA. I mean, Arcadia, Monterey Park area is. Mm -hmm. So I, oh, I, I find it very interesting that you have some, you had some shame in your background, but you grew up in a predominantly Asian area. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like, it, did, that, did that shame come out in college for you or like, uh, did it exhibit itself? Um, Okay, I guess maybe because your friends told you, wow, your mom's really strict with you. Maybe that social, socially, people are saying these things about your background. I'm just curious, like, where, how did that shame, like, manifest itself, like, the strongest, I guess, for you, yeah. Oh, damn. It, it showed itself <laughs> very strongly in different stages of my life, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just break it down chronologically so it's easier to understand. Yeah, sure, yeah, that'd be great, yeah. Yeah, in college, it was sexual shame, like, you know, losing my virginity, I thought I was going to go to hell. <laughs> and then another aspect of it was the social anxiety, where I was scared of going out of my apartment. That thing actually, like, for two years, I basically was a shut-in. Like, I would go to class, and I would just go back. Like, yeah, I would go to, and so what, I, I do want to say with the corollary, I did go to football games. It wasn't like I completely just stayed in my apartment. But, yeah, yeah. But more or less, you know, it was like school, class, maybe a football game with roommates, right? And I was really scared of making friends. So social anxiety was one. Sexual shame in college of actually, you know, hooking up with girls. That's was college in a different part of, well, you don't have to tell me exactly which college, but like, was it more white people, like less Asian people? Well, I'll tell you, it was USC. There was still a good amount of Asians there, but it's predominantly white. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was just a really shy kid, still very socially anxious. And you're 29 now? I'm 29 now. Okay, cool. Almost 30. Um, That's cool. I'm 34. It's all good, though. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. It's, like, it's, it's Asian genes. We look young. We're good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. After, after college, I think the shame primarily showed up in... It definitely showed up primarily with women, actually. For example, when I was dating girls, I, I had what they call nice guy syndrome. And this really came to a fever pitch when... Um, I got into a relationship with a girl and she completely walked over me, right? Because I was just, I had nice guy syndrome to the max. So that was a, you know, nice guy syndrome is a shame-based syndrome, so to speak. Uh, later on, it would show up more in subtle ways, kind of like relationship insecurity, where I was scared like my girlfriend would cheat on me. Uh, but eventually I worked through all of that. But it kind of like, as you can tell, like it used to be like severe, like Jeremy is scared of people that, then it's like Jeremy's scared of his girlfriend. Then it's going to like Jeremy's scared that his girlfriend might leave him. So it progressively went down in layers. Uh, but it primarily showed up when it was very severe, it was with everyone, but eventually just showed up primarily with women. Um, and sometimes with friends, you kind of like a whole like self comparison game in a sense. But I'm glad to say that I really just kind of beaten most of that. It's not to say that I ever become insecure or I never compare myself, but by and large, like that stuff rarely crosses my mind mm. and i noticed you've changed like your net your your branding from like asian guy transformation to 
fearless Asian male. But I, I guess from your just listening to your experience, it's actually it's not necessarily fearlessness in the pure sense, but more that you're facing your fear, even though you had that fear. Yeah. You face it, you know, using CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, like yeah. facing it and progressively lessening it. But I don't think it ever fully, it's, I mean, if it goes away 100%, maybe you're a psychopath, but like it's yeah, always yeah. a little, you're a little, it's always a little bit there and just facing it, right? Yeah. Am, I, am I correct in that assessment? Or? Yeah, it's really about, I guess if I wanted to rename my brand for the Asian guys, like courageous Asian guy or courageous. <laughs> it's more of that, right? It's a willingness to be uncomfortable to, do the inner work to face your inner demons and the willingness to embrace it and do the work and face it. Um, a lot of people, this is time to psychological defense mechanisms, the way they bullshit themselves. And I've done videos on this is sometimes they're hyper rational. You might've seen this in my group where they talk oh. Asian guys are so fucked. And there is truth to that. Right. But they use like, well, you know, the studies show that's why I can't be successful. It's like, well, how many fucking girls do you talk to last week? Right. How many girls do you express your interest in? Yeah not right because they're so scared but they use the rationality to bullshit themselves another way is like avoidance a lot of guys are like, nah, that's not my issue nah, nah, i don't mean that's dumb right and the way they kind of get around the fact that they might need a little bit more inner work than they believe they do is by just avoiding it right it's kind of like the ostrich syndrome where you bury your head in the fucking sand that doesn't work by the way it actually makes everything come back a lot worse because it's like if your car is running on fumes you fix that fucking car. You don't keep running in hope that the problem is going to go away. And yeah, it really ties to the fearless part. You know, I did come up on, with it like on a whim to even pull people. So it wasn't like uh, something that I thought about too much, but it really, that fearless attitude does encapsulate the willingness to be uncomfortable, the willingness to face your fears, the willingness to really be courageous and, you know, you know, be really objective about something that you might really suck at or a habitual pattern that's been holding you back. And you brought up an interesting point about in intellectualizing. You know, uh, I, I think a lot of guys, uh, particularly Asian American men, they overthink or they, we try to read tons of books and articles to like, you know, you know, give us that courage, you know, make yeah. us take that step and like, okay, what are the, what are the actionable step one, step two, you know, like with Pat, he's like, oh, three-step process. And like Asian guys eat that shit up. Like, oh yeah, what's the three-step process? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's actually like the, sometimes you just got to jump in the water. Right. I mean, is, is there, okay. I guess my question is, is there a way to like, you, you need some input, you need some, you know, some reading material and some, some, maybe some concepts to help you. But then there's also that, oh, you just need a, in golf, I don't, uh, someone's telling me this golf metaphor, I don't play golf, but it's like, you just got to rip it, you know, sometimes you just got to rip, rip the swing. Yeah. How, how do you, how does a guy kind of balance that and not get into the trap of overthinking, intellectualizing? And the other, I guess the other aspect is, how does he just like go out there randomly and just Maybe, maybe that's a good, I don't know. Maybe that's good. Just like a crazy person. I don't know. <laughs> is, there, is there a balance between the two, you know? There is a balance. I would say, actually, if I had to give really rough stats, and some guys might take it too literally, by the way, so I'm just willing against it. Yeah, yeah. 20% reading, 80% action. And the 20% reading is 
more so that you learn enough because let's say if a guy doesn't even know what's same-sex girl, I'm not saying just say shit. You might want to look up how to open a girl or how to start a conversation. But then from there, after he reads it, like maybe one day of the week, 80% the rest of the week, you should practice that. Um, That's one way to really balance it. Another way to really balance it too, a lot of guys might be like, well, what do I work on? I don't even know what my problem is. Get into the fucking Facebook group. And I'm not saying that to subtly pitch mine, although of course if you want to join, that's great. But to ask, actually ask the guys, like, where do I start? Because, and this is tying back to the intellectualization I noticed with some guys in my group. I'm like, you don't even know what your problems are. So you're creating these problems based on what you're reading because it makes sense logically that, you know, Asian feminists think that we're, we hate Asian women that date white guys or whatever the fuck it may be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not your issue. The issue for you is like, you are fucking terrified of, uh, of people, right? Whatever it may be. So, you know, outside perspective, number one, to really know where to start and what your issues are, because otherwise than that, you just do the best guess, right? And you don't have the, the guy doesn't have the experience to really know what their issue is. The second thing is, err on the side of action, read a little bit, roughly 20% reading, 80% action, right? And then I would say a third aspect, and this is taken from my tech background, is adopt a testing mindset. Um, I think guys, what happens if things don't work the first time, they get very discouraged and they give up. So there's a little bit of an emotional aspect behind it. But if you view yourself as just trying something out and reflecting on what happens, I recommend maybe weekly reflections on like hey this is what i did this week this is what happened and then you can iterate and improve the next time around um that makes things a lot more manageable because uh this is something that i'm guilty of to you when i when i think of business and career and other aspects of my life uh if someone thinks too far ahead it becomes very overwhelming and way too confusing because it feels like they need to figure everything out but if you're testing and you're saying this is where i'm at right now people are telling me this is where i should start this is what i tried out and these are the results, what's the next step? Then you can kind of course adjust. And eventually when you keep course adjusting and keep stacking up those weeks, right? Then you're gonna to get to where you wanna be. Uh, that's how I would recommend it because I think for a lot of guys, the reason why they keep reading is because they wanna know something's gonna work and the reality is you don't know until you try it. And the other aspect is they wanna take care of everything at one time, but that attitude very similar, I want to use another tech example because I used to work in tech. Yeah. When we used to try to plan a project and take care of all the pre-work, like we would get it approved with like the business stakeholders and shit. Sometimes it would take so fucking long, by the time we actually developed the project, it was out of date. Oh. And nowadays we use a lot of tech companies, especially if you're an engineer listening to this or someone that worked in tech, you'll understand this. We use something called Agile where we break things off into two-week sprints where we work on an aspect of the entire project, the two-week sprints, and we test it out and see how people respond to it. So the whole point is we shorten the feedback loops so that we can quickly test out and we can nimbly adjust to what's going on. And I think a lot of guys will benefit from that because uh, they tend to use a mindset, the first mindset called waterfall in tech, where you want to plan everything out and know that's going to work. And then you yeah. just... It normally doesn't work that way. It's very much like you take sprints and you're constantly like a plane, right? You're constantly course adjusting. But if you never fucking course adjust and you don't keep going with the sprints, you're gonna be dead in the water. So that's how I'd recommend balancing that, right? Like don't worry about the shit where you're not even there yet. Like if you can't even talk to a girl, don't even worry about bringing her back to your place or like, you know, asking her to be your girlfriend if you're not even there yet. And you can do that again with the help of people 
focus on the next step, test it out, see what happens, and then adjust. That's a way to kind of do it without uh, being dumb. Because like, if, again, if you take action and you don't reflect, then you're just going to repeat the same mistakes. But at the same time, if you think too much, right, you're never going to take action. So why well, I kind of outlined, hopefully, it will help a lot of guys mm-hmm. uh, be able to reflect and also take action and get to their goals faster. No, that's helpful for me. I mean, uh, just to make a, a, a corollary would be like uh, some people – I've seen writing and, and some making and some people like they're stuck in, you know, the outlining of the story. Like they, they like, Oh, I need to get the beat sheet of the story. Perfect. Before I start actually writing. And sometimes they just get stuck in that, you know, planning out phase of the story. They never get to the actual writing. And yeah. I'm just like, dude. Uh, and so the, like years would pass and they, they haven't written, a, you know, their story. Yet. And I'm like, uh, I look at that. I'm like, okay. Uh, I, that seems a little bit of, you know, to be honest, like a waste of time. And I, I guess that what you, when you bring up testing, okay. A lot of guys fear rejection and yeah. failure, right? Yeah. Uh, because if I get rejected by a woman, that means I'm not worthy enough and I am, I'm shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but I think if we, ad- if, if, if you adopt a, a testing mindset, you realize, Oh, I'm testing something new. It's not working this way. Oh, oh, she thinks I'm weird. Maybe there's some, you know, maybe I should come at it from a different way. I guess, am I correct in that assessment? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of guys, the I'm not good enough, that shame, not just for Asian guys, but guys in general, that's why they're so scared of rejection. That's why they're so scared of expressing the desire. And the thing is, if you test enough, you'll realize that sometimes it's not about you, it's actually about the other person. Um, and then that for me, after I realized I would say the same shit to different girls and different girls would respond differently, I got there via testing and I realized actually sometimes it's not about me. Again, it's about the other person, so I don't take it as personally. Another aspect is, yeah, the testing will also help you tweak as necessary. Um, I think fundamentally, actually, to, to that question about like, am I not worthy enough? It's no, you're not unworthy. It's more just you haven't figured out the best way to communicate with women. Mm. And the other aspect is no, you're not unworthy enough. It's more so that you take every rejection way too personally and think it's always about you. And I'm not right. saying that to be like, oh, you narcissistic fucker, right? It's more just like, I think guys, they can put too much pressure on, especially Asian guys, you know, we can put oh, fuck yeah, yeah. too much pressure on ourselves, like it's all on you. And to echo my friend, Pat Wu, yeah. he said this, and I, I really do believe this, and this might help, this concept might help all you guys. Attraction is not all on you. I honestly, and this might make a lot of guys in the pickup game be like, oh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Game works, right? They're always gonna say game works. There is an element of social persuasion but I think, and yes, if you have a lot of money, maybe a girl might not be physically attracted to you, but she might suck your dick or like fuck you because you have money and that means something to her. And that's more based on that type of girl. But I think in general, when a woman is attracted to a man, they, the only way to really bring out that attraction is to amplify it. And this is where, you know, social influence, persuasion, and knowing how to be a leader, uh, that I guess some guys might call it game. That's what works, right? But 
And also, guys, they can fuck up attraction. Like, if I had a booger hanging on my nose, right? Even a girl <laughs> man would have found me attractive. She's going to be like, that's fucking disgusting. Oh, I got to check real quick. All right, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, shit. Like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It's not a subtle message, James. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is attraction can only be, I really do believe this, besides money, unless you have a lot of money, attraction can only be amplified or destroyed. And that's why guys learn how to do game or, like, talk to women, right? But I think what I'm trying to say and why I'm, point, why I'm pointing this out is it's not, it's not all on you, right? Like, yeah, you, you can learn how to facilitate it a little bit better. But for some girls that reject you, no matter what you would have done, she would not have been attracted. And this uh, is really consistent from my experience. Most of the girls that I end up with, it's never really been a struggle, actually. It really never felt like I had to game her or convince her to like me. In fact, it was, manipulate. Yeah, yeah. It was more like, do you actually like me? Are we a good fit? You know? And this is not me using a game. It's more like, does she fit my standards? Are we connecting? Usually the attraction is very palpable from the start. And I think when a lot of guys start going towards girls that are more interested in them or there's an underlying attraction and they start encountering girls that are not into them and they realize that no matter what they do, it won't change your mind unless he's super rich, then I think that takes a lot of the pressure off because, again, what Pat said is it's not all on you. Like, right. responsibility to be a leader and try to amplify it and not destroy it. But besides that, it's not all on you. And I think once a lot of Asian guys or guys in general realize that it's going to take a lot of pressure off. Yeah. And even if you do have a lot of money and she fucks you for that, and how is that fulfilling? You know, like it's, yeah, it, yeah it's, she still doesn't really, you know, care if she's just sleeping with someone guy for money, then there, that's that seems pretty empty too um one thing i i i want to talk about the other side of the game or pick or like confidence is maybe kind of like okay so personal story uh i so i recently got intimate with a, a female um you know i i used online dating uh coffee meets bagel please sponsor us um yeah. so <laughs> yes no that from one asian to another their ceo's korean like please yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're 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 yeah korean sisters um and i actually yeah and actually the the person i i hooked up with she was korean and uh it was nice it's like oh man oh i i've missed this but at the same time i was like damn, I've put so much time and effort just for this, you know, like this, this kind of this sexual, you know, intimacy. And I'm like, what? you know, at, at the same time, I was relieved, like, okay, you know, at the, the drought has ended. But at the same time, I was like, oh, that was it. Oh, okay. Huh. It was nice, you know, but it wasn't like, it didn't define my worth, you know. Um, and Prior to that, and even after that, there was still, I still had issues with like, I see a hot girl and like, okay, uh, should I talk to her? Uh, how should I talk to her? And like, it becomes like, I guess this is the danger of pickup and, 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 you know, being fearless, I guess, is that it becomes a compulsion maybe, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if you've experienced that or you've helped guys with that kind of compulsion. Like they can't, like they walk down the street and they, it's like, they cannot concentrate. If they see a hot girl, they, they have to, either they, they, they agonize over talking to her and don't talk to her or they, 
they have to talk to every single hot girl that they see, you know, and that, that kind of like, I, both of those extremes just seems a, a little bit harmful, right? Yeah, this is a case where I think the person's worldview has been a little bit too colored by pickup because usually a lot of times they go like, yeah, you know, like how many opportunities do you miss? Are you gonna be the man? Right? And I'm not, and I'm not saying that, that, I'm not saying you can't do that. Like, if you really want to talk to those girls, go ahead. But it's really, it actually goes back to what you mentioned earlier. Like, why are you putting that pressure on yourself? I think yeah. you got to really understand why are you putting that pressure on yourself, and like, why do you feel like you need to do that? Um, so let me put it this way. I'm not, and again, I want to be very clear for the guys who are listening. I'm not saying don't talk to the girls and that you're being a weirdo because you want to talk to girls. A lot of guys will kind of swing to the opposite end of the extremes, right? When they hear you say it's, it's okay to want to talk to those girls, but it's about doing it for the right reasons. So if a guy needs to really figure himself out, I recommend take that time and be like, you know what? Um, see all the girls that you want to approach. Just observe it. Observe what's in your body observe why you feel like you need to talk to them right and oftentimes like this is not something to actively think about like this is what i want to talk to her. it's more about seeing what kind of arises in the moment to really allow the guy to understand the motivation behind it because i noticed actually your body is a really good indicator of what type of energy or intention is behind it sometimes like the energy for me it might be like oh i should do it because uh she's fucking hot right and i need to have sex that's kind of like a fear and desperate energy, but sometimes it's like the girl's like, wow, she's fucking beautiful. I want to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And a lot of energy is a lot more, I don't want to say it's a lot more pure because I still want to do nasty things with her. Right. But <laughs> it's kind of like, it's, it's more like, it's more honest. Right. It's like that girl actually caught my eye. Yeah. To talk to her. And that's why I did You know, like one time I was at a library and this girl walked by, I'm like, wow, that girl is just my type. And I had to figure a way out to talk to her. Not because, I had to prove myself to my group or anything because I don't do feeling and stuff like that. But it was a general honest desire. And another time I was actually at the gym recently and these are stories where it didn't really end up with anything. But I was at the gym and I saw this girl with like, she was kind of, I really like athletic girls. So she was like, yeah, does squats. Let's put it that way, right? <laughs> but I had to talk to her because I was like, you know what? I just thought you were gorgeous. I was making up a to talk to you. But again, to go to the point, it's about really like really feel when that guy's in that moment like feel that desperate striving energy in your body and really allow whatever answers on why you feel the way you feel to like approach that girl let it come up because i think over time the guy will start to understand like this is just actually something i feel like i need to do because guys in the forums or groups are saying you should talk to every girl right and or this is something where i genuinely want to do it and Point number two I want to make besides really tapping into, I guess, your wisdom and why you want to do it is this comes from a mindset of, it's a little bit of a hunting mindset. It's kind of like the whole, I need to maximize opportunities. And that comes from a little bit of a scarcity mindset of, you know, like I need to maximize opportunities. Otherwise I won't have more opportunities. And a lot of guys might be like, no, that's not true. I know there's a lot of hot girls, but it's like, well, then why are you acting like there aren't enough hot girls? Right. 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 It, it goes to also show that they view relationships as, or dating, whatever it may be as almost like, it's almost like a game, like a, like a hunter or prey game. But I think that entire paradigm 
is really dangerous because you know when you imagine if you're hunting an animal right or you're hunting or you need to make this work or if you're a salesperson where you need to get that fucking sale and everyone's a goddamn prospect and you sell the shit out of everyone right that's going to come across wrong right, right. versus kind of being like so what i'm trying to suggest in my very long-winded way of saying it is shift your mindset to more of like connecting with people as you go about your day-to-day life not just with hot girls but with everyone I found that for me, and sometimes I, sometimes, you know, more recently since I've been single, I feel like I'm a little bit rusty with that mindset because I was with my girlfriend for the past two and a half years. Uh, but I have, oh, wow. the more I normalize conversations with people in general, it becomes a lot more normalized because I'm not constantly trying to see what I can get out of the people around me. I, I, I would really recommend that for guys because I fucking hate the feeling of, I personally really hate that feeling of like trying to make things work. And I would say when you shift your paradigm of like, you know what, I'm just going to talk to everyone, not just hot girls. And I'm just going to connect with the people around me without trying too hard and see what happens and see who's open to connecting. I think that's a lot more powerful than the whole like, I need to make this work. Who would the people uh, Right? It's kind of like the whole point, I guess to kind of zoom out, is this whole like, I need to talk to people and you kind of use that word compulsion. It's obsessed it's almost like ocd actually it's like yeah. there's obsession and this compulsiveness behind it and that's the main issue behind it but when you really know what you're doing and why you're doing it and you normalize it into who you are it kind of reduces that compulsion so i would say that would help a guy stop with the ocd in that aspect because it's not helpful right like guys will learn from these groups that they got to talk to every girl and code approach every girl and it's just like Sometimes I just don't feel like it. I feel like I look like shit and I, I want to take a shit after grocery shopping and I don't really want to go talk to a girl. You don't need to talk to a girl. Right. Um, so yeah, we're coming on, closing. Uh, it's all about that time. Um, mm-hmm. Just, uh, I guess, what I want to say uh, is, yeah, oh wait, you're single now. Okay. Uh, are you... What what is your message, I guess, for single men? I uh, for like those guys who like, oh, I've been single for a while. I need to get I need to get a girl because I'm lonely. Or, uh, I mean, are you enjoying single life? Is I guess is my question. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I would say it's it's chill. I got a lot of time to focus on my coaching practice. And yeah. Career and all that good stuff. I, I definitely am more on the stage of like after the break of just taking care of myself. Mm. Overall, overall, life is good. You know, it's a lot of self care, so I don't mind it. It's good to kind of reconnect with people that I might have, you know, prioritized the previous relationship over them. Oh, okay. General, I try to be really good about that. Uh, so, so it's good. I haven't been actively dating. I will say though, for the guys who have been single for a while and want a relationship or want someone, the way to create that in your life is to really, uh, this is gonna sound kind of cheesy, is to become the man that your future girlfriend wants. And focus on creating your character and your lifestyle around that. Because if you develop your character and you develop your lifestyle around that, it will be a lot more efficient and better and it feel a lot better when you track her versus like you always like desperately like searching for her as we said kind of similar to the previous example like if you're compulsively searching for her you're probably going to drive her away because <laughs> very needy place right um let's leave off with um 
what would you recommend as far as a self-help book, maybe top two or three? And then after that, how can we know more about you and your work? And uh, how can we find you? So first one be like, what do you recommend we should read? Like the 20% of the time we should be. <laughs> yeah, I would say if there's one self-help dating book you should read, it would probably be, yeah, Models by Mark Manson. I really recommend that. It's one of the more healthy books I would recommend for guys who want to get their dating life handled, but in a very authentic way versus like feeling like they need to endlessly learn game. That book alone, I think, is really worth your investment. And, and I agree. That's a, that was a dope book, yeah. Yeah, and I think it really flips a lot of the paradigm uh, of like how to get women on the head, which I think is great because a lot of guys will benefit from it in an emotionally healthy way. In terms of how to reach me, I would recommend going to my website, jeremyjohn.com, J-E-R-E-M-Y-J-O-N-G.com. There's a lot of free shit over there, whether it's free guides on how to boost your backbone, how to attract the woman in your dreams, or how to reliably meet more great women. I think a lot of guys more recently have been saying like, where the hell are the women that I want? Where are they at, right? So go there for that, as well as access to my Facebook group. And the website is primarily the, like, the main hub for everything. So if you want to Facebook me too, right? Or yeah. reach out to me, you can go to the website. So those would be the resources. And for the guys, you know, especially the Asian guys listening, if you want to specifically get access to my Asian guy group, go ahead and go to my website, Facebook me, send me a message so I can add you to it. Because right now I'm kind of managing two different groups. One is more for like the good guys that want to attract the women of their dreams. And the other one's more like for the Asian American guys. So uh, whichever one interests you to the listeners, feel free to Facebook me and ask for, ask, ask for access. Definitely. Yeah. And I'll have that in the show links below. And Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for talking. Yeah. Talking with us. Yeah. Not a problem, man. It was a pleasure, you know, connecting with you and talking with you as well. Definitely looking forward to listening to this episode, man. It was great talking with a uh, uh, dating coach, Jeremy Jung. Uh, also wanted to add that uh, for language corner today, uh, here's two phrases, uh, one that Jeremy shared with me and uh, one that I'll share. So I'll start with, um, Jeremy's phrase. He is studying a little bit of Spanish and he mentioned the phrase te ves bien. Te ves bien means you look good. Uh, it's a good, you know, compliment for uh, for the ladies. Te ves bien. Uh, and the phrase I know, it's from Mandarin, from Chinese. Uh, it's pao uh, niao and it's a little bit on the uh, kind of on the the slang end, but basically means to pick up women. Pao uh, It's not the cleanest um, phrase. It's a little bit kind of like pick up chicks is probably the the closest English equivalent. So uh, you know, be careful in what company you use this phrase. So, anyways, so te ves bien for Spanish for you look good and pao for uh, picking up chicks. All right, that's your language corner for today, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks.